Celtics with a chance to make a move in the standings. I'm going to talk about that with Tom Westerholm and trade rumors. Dennis Schroeder, are there deals? Are there not? Marcus Smart is a target. It's all coming up right now on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can't. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown, J team. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry OB. Corrales above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Rainy J's, how it started, raising banners, how we finished. Locked on Celtics pod, home of the winners. B. Hey there, thank you for making the Lockdown Celtics podcast your first listen every day. Part of your daily routine is here for you Monday through Friday. Free, daily, everywhere podcasts exist. The show is also on YouTube. Would really love to see you catch the show on YouTube. I'm John Corrales. I cover the Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. I've written a book called The Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars. And I'm one of the voters, one of the media voters on the Boston Celtics 75th anniversary team. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Uh, Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, uh, coming up in the second, third segments, we'll get into a lot of the trade rumor stuff. Trade deadline is on Thursday, uh, so there's a lot to get to. Uh, rumors just keep popping up here and there. Mostly Dennis Schroeder, some Marcus Smart stuff coming in. But let's start talking about this team where they are. Uh, they're falling out of the sixth seed uh, tie because the Toronto Raptors. Uh, are beating the Charlotte Hornets. I think it might be over by the time uh, we're done with this intro. So they'll jump into the sixth seed by themselves. Celtics are right there if they beat the Brooklyn Nets tomorrow. And so to do that, let's talk to Tom Westerholm, at Tom underscore NBA, friendo mine, boston.com, Time podcast. What's going on, Tom? What up, what up? So uh, how are you feeling about the squad after a uh, now a fifth fifth win in a row? Mm -hmm. in a row uh beating up on the you know tomato cans the the boxcar willies of the nba uh but one point i made yesterday and and, and people love to discount like oh this the celtics just beating up on the bad teams as if the teams ahead of the celtics haven't also played and beaten these bad teams like this is kind of how it goes you play the schedule and They've beaten these bad teams, and that's how they got a lead. Celtics are finally starting to play these teams, and now they're catching up a little bit. Well, yeah, and as if the Celtics weren't losing games like this early on in the season, too, right? Like, they were, they lost plenty of these games where everybody was, like, despairing about them. And I, I think, too, I, I would be willing to discount it if it was one loss, right? Or, if, excuse me, if it was one win, right? Or if it was, you know, they, they won two out of three against bad teams. At this point, they've won seven out of eight. They've won five in a row. Like, they have turned some kind of a corner. Now I don't know like how serious like I don't know how serious that corner is. Like I don't and we'll start to get answers to that, you know, presumably when they, you know, when the competition picks back up. I was going to, you know, I don't want to say Brooklyn because obviously Brooklyn's pretty banged up, but like once, you know, once the schedule ramps up again a little bit, I think we'll start to actually see like how good this team is and you know whether this is like yeah, whether this is quote unquote real, but I do think it is real. Like I think I think they have proven that at, at worst they are better than the team that started the season, which was probably predictable, right? Like as soon as guys started, stopped going in and out of the lineup, as soon as guys, you know, kind of got a little bit of healthy, a little bit more continuity, they were going to be better. And I feel like that's where we are now. We don't, 
We don't know exactly how good they are, but we do know that they are a lot better than they were before, and that's something. Right. All of the stuff like the the point differential that we're like, man, the point differential says they should be better. The net yes. rating says that they should be better. All of these things say that they should be better. So what what they were was terrible, and you tweeted this out uh, the other day as the uh, – forget which, which one of the leads was collapsing. But I uh, know it was the Charlotte game. It was the Charlotte game because it looked like they were going to lose that game. And it was, you know, the Celtics at that point were up four and 10 in games decided by five points or less. And, and that was it. The Celtics yeah. couldn't close. They collapsed down the stretch. They didn't have a reliable lineup. They were going with the Schroeder smart combination a ton because they didn't really have much choice. A lot of guys were out of the lineup. I said this the other day in Boston Sports Journal. I think what we have found out, like what we have returned to is just normalcy. This is just now normal. What, what, what was before was not normal. And normal for this team, Tom, I think is something that we've talked about here before. This is a team that's fourth or fifth seed capable. Um, maybe, but like I'm going to repeat what I said before the season. Maybe they can make a run to the third seed if, a, if one of the top seeds collapses. But generally, that 4-5 is where you'd, you'd think they'd end up. And here they are, kind of close to that that spot. They are uh, four and a half games out of first, and that fourth seed, they're three and a half games out of fourth, three games out of fifth. So catch a little bit of a heater, maybe win a couple more of these games. They, if I don't know what's going to happen with Cleveland. They're making their move. I don't know what's going to happen with Philly if the Ben Simmons thing doesn't work out. But it's not inconceivable that a team can make up Three games in the last, what are they, 27 games left in the season? Like, that's not impossible, and that would put them kind of where we expected. And, I mean, to your point about, like, yeah, that that three seed, it sounds, you know, like it sounds overly optimistic, but the thing is that everybody in that particular tier is so bunched up that, like, a win here, a loss there, and all of a sudden, you know, if you get yourself up to that point, if you vault yourself into that, you know, that stratosphere of the Eastern Conference – all of a sudden you are competing for like the third seed or the fifth seed, right? Cause like you, it's just so, it's so fluid in that range. And I think, you know, th this is like, this is what happens, right? When we've been talking all year about how certain lineups have these ridiculous uh, net ratings, not just the Celtics themselves who have a net rating that should, that suggests that the record should be better. Certain lineups are just killing teams, right? Then they finally have that starting lineup intact. That is just like truly obliterating teams. Like they're, like 25, their starting lineup is like 25 points per 100 possessions um, that they're outscoring opponents. That's that's obscene. Like and and that's their starters. That's their most used lineup. It's just destroying people. That's a good sign. Like that that is. Mm -hmm. And again, yes, they're doing it to the bad teams. But you know what they're doing to the bad teams? They're destroying them. Like they're not. You know, they're not beating them by eight points. They're not beating them. You know, by running up a big lead and then losing the lead and then squeaking it out at the end. These are like a lot of these are just wire to wire victories. So. Yeah, I mean, I like. I don't think that the Celtics are probably the third best team in the Eastern Conference right now, but I also don't think that it's impossible that they end up in the third seed, just purely like based on you know how this you know how the schedule breaks, how the standings break. Like, there's certain teams that we thought were for sure going to be above the Celtics are currently uh, well tied with them. If you just look at the net, so, <laughs> yeah, it's not, uh, it's not impossible. It, it's it's not, and and I think one thing. It, like the Celtics, I don't want to jinx it, but like the Celtics have gone through so much adversity. Like they 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 
certainly can, you know, there's always a sprained ankle or something like that that can happen. But, you know, teams don't normally go through how much the Celtics have gone through. So, you know, hopefully there's like this little bit of a settling uh, of that bad luck. Like the Celtics have had horrible, horrible luck. And so I, I, I just don't see, like, I, I think the lessons, if we're going to turn this into like lessons we've learned through this point, we're at what, 55 games. First of all, how the hell are we at 55 games already? <laughs> we went from, it's still early. It's still early, still early to like 55 games. The season's almost over. <laughs> this is a weird year for me because my son is in between preschool and kindergarten. So I want this year to go nicer. Well, he's in preschool. He's going to be kindergarten next year. So I want this year to go nice and slow. So I don't have to get all sad about kindergarten yet. And this, this NBA season is just blasting right by. It's making, uh, it's making it go way too fast. It's fly. Like, Remember when they signed Joe Johnson? That feels like two years ago. Um, that was a storyline. Like we wrote stories about Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson is that was the only feel-good storyline for weeks. That was it. Like that's how bad things were. They were like so bad that we were like, oh my god, they signed this forty-year-old. He came in and hit a jumper, like hit one bucket, <laughs> one bucket, and that was it. It was a whole thing. We did like think pieces on on Joe Johnson coming in and changing the uh, the trajectory of this team, uh, but I, I I do think like as always we we always tend to jump the gun like the collective we there's there's always a tendency to jump the gun we are prisoners of the moment the NBA season is long we don't know what's going to happen. Kevin Durant goes out. You'd never know when somebody's going to get hurt. And all of a sudden this juggernaut Brooklyn Nets is suddenly 29 and 24 and percentage points above the Celtics. Like, and who knows where they're going to land after this, that desperation move to, to bring Kyrie Irving back. I understand why they kind of had to do it. If it wasn't for the, the whole COVID outbreak, they might not have done it, but they had to, um, that has an interesting impact on the team. Milwaukee, you know, is is kind of floating along right there, but we have this tendency to overreact as a group and like, oh my God, Eme can't coach. Like two weeks in, two weeks in, Eme can't coach. Like, come on, that was the the Eme thing was was really ridiculous. How quickly people jumped on that, and I, I mean, I almost uh, I think people should be careful about why they jumped on that to a certain extent. But I do think that like, yeah, like people were way too fast on Eme. Like it was. There, there were there were reasons to have optimism about him right from the jump. And, and I mean, you know, this team has done a lot of really good things recently. I will say, I, I think saying that like everything, you know, every bit of negative analysis about this team was not jumping the gun to me. Like we, we saw them all year last year and they were this team. They got to t- like 23 and 24 and looked so much like last year's team. I think there were reasons to be like, eh, I don't know about this team, but I also think that like, what people needed to do that whole time was be like, okay, there are reasons to have concerns. However, they are still basically 500 through this whole stretch. And if a few things break right, like if Jason Tatum starts making threes, maybe they explode and maybe they go on a little bit of a run. And, you know, I mean, Tatum hasn't even really started making threes. They're just uh, playing a lot better together now. Right. Um, But uh, that was always, I think both things were always possible. And I guess technically still are always possible with this team. Like they, they always could be, the team that was 23 and 24 and disappointed all last year. But 
again, there were there were improvements on last year to the roster that I think you could have looked at and been like, yeah, maybe 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 they could be working with something here. You know what? I'm I'm gonna take a, a brief break here because I, I do want to respond and I don't want to go too long without t- telling people about TurboTax. Uh, but I do have I do have something like uh, I do have a response here. TurboTax. Uh, people think unusual circumstances mean complicated taxes, but for TurboTax live experts, that's what makes things interesting. We all have unique lives. Whether you're invested in crypto for the first time this year, or you own an up-and-coming small business, or if you're ram- raising rambunctious twins, uh, luckily though, t- TurboTax Live experts have experts who can uh, answer your tax questions, walk you through the whole process, or do your taxes for you for from start to finish. That's very, very helpful. They can help you get every single deduction you deserve. I know it's very complicated and it's hard to figure out. And it's, it's tough when you're in a unique situation. It does not matter to them. You can talk to a TurboTax Live expert through your phone or computer without even leaving your house. TurboTax Live experts are here to help you however you need. And if you need an extra hand, hand off your taxes to them. They'll do it all for you. TurboTax Live experts, an interesting life can uh, mean an even greater refund. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. You do your thing. They've got your taxes. Intuit TurboTax Live. I want to thank you once again for making this show part of your daily routine, your first listen every day. Trade deadline is Thursday, a couple days away. And at 2 p.m. on Thursday, I will be joined by Josh Lloyd, Kim Becker, and Antonio Daniels, uh, former NBA player Antonio Daniels, for a two-hour special here on the Lockdown Podcast Network analyzing every trade. There are a couple trades that have happened. There are a ton of rumors that Tom and I will get into momentarily, but uh, we're going to talk about all that stuff starting Thursday at 2 p.m. Make sure you're subscribed to the Lockdown NBA channel. That's where it's going to air. Set your notifications to make sure you find out when we go live. Let me bring Tom back in. So Tom before was saying that there there was not, um, you know, I'm talking about like jumping the gun on, on analysis. And, and I understand what you're saying, Tom. But here's here's my uh, the thing I've been saying for a while now. The and, and this applies to the Grant Williams discussion. It applies still to Aaron Neesmith. It still applies a little bit to Romeo Langford, and and it applies to the team as a whole. The past two plus seasons have been abnormal. The COVID outbreak has changed the entire course of history here. And for the Celtics, that shutdown and return and short turnaround after that late run really screwed them over. And last season, with the return of Kemba Walker that was supposed to be at the beginning of what everybody thought was going to be the season. Everybody, like I've talked to people in the organization, I, I they've said like, yeah, we were all planning on January being the start of that season. And all of a sudden, that that December turnaround changed everything. And okay, fine, you can say no excuses and the, you know, whatever. Every team was dealing with it. But it still doesn't mean that the Celtics weren't negatively impacted. Having Jalen and Jason come back without Kemba and then trying to work Kemba in changed everything with that dynamic. COVID, Tatum's long COVID, that whole thing changed everything with that team. There are so many signing Jeff Teague change like not getting that the the immediate return for for Gordon Hayward not having time to actually negotiate a sign and trade and having to scramble that impacted this team 
And then you switch to this season and the same thing, COVID, over and over and over again. This team was never, ever, ever, has never shown us who they truly, truly are. And that's where I have my beef with people who say they did show us who they are. They are a 500 team. Like, no, they did not have their team. They have not had their whole team until really, until the, the past couple of weeks has been their first real stretch of having their whole team post Kemba, post all of that with the Jason and Jalen era. This is like the first time they've got a coach and all of these guys healthy, and we're starting to see a little bit of what they can be with smart as the point guard and all of that. Like these past two plus years, I don't think have told us a whole lot about who this team is. And we're only starting just now to get a sense, I think, of who they are. Yeah, I think that's all valid, and I think it's been proven correct, right? Like that's that. I think that's that's where we've landed. I think the argument that you could have made, and not to get too far into the weeds on this stuff, but the no, argument in the weeds, baby. Hey, it's a podcast. We got to do it. Um, the uh, I think the argument you could have made in the past is that it's kind of a distinction without a difference, right? Like you can have all these. I'm, they're not excuses. You can have all of these reasons why things are the way they are, and you can still, you know, all of that can still be true, and it's still the team still could be a 500 team, right? Like Gordon Hayward broke his ankle and it was, it was unbelievably unfair for that team. Like it, it completely screwed their entire season. It completely screwed their entire um, plan, right? For, for like their, the, the whole trajectory that they were trying to work towards shifted as soon as Gordon Hayward broke his ankle and it, and it sucked. And it was like, yeah, that's like, there, there was a reason why, you know, all these things fell apart but they still fell apart. And I think that could have been the reason that you could give for like why, hey, the Celtics are a 500 team. However, that has not been proven to be the case. And I think, you know, you can, you can point to any number of, of reasons why that isn't the case. Like Rob Williams is, um, you know, like his, his emergence, I think is, is huge for all of this, you know, getting some, some bench help, Grant developing into a three-point shooter, like all of those things ended up being, I think, the reason that this is a better team than a 500 team. But I do think that it was potentially in the cards that like this team just one struggles to stay healthy and two struggles to be cohesive. Um, I think that was probably like possible. That was a timeline that could have happened. Sure. It seems that they are swerving away from that. And honestly, I mean, it's, this team is so much more fun to watch. Like it is, it is just, it is so much more, uh, um, yeah, so much more watchable now. I'm, I'm very glad that they have swerved away from it, but if if it if it had gone if it had continued to go south, I think it would have been just kind of like a. There's a million reasons for this. It's nobody's fault. It just you know things happen and sometimes it sucks. Yeah, right, right. And so now here we are, and I think that the email Doka stuff was certainly premature. That was extraordinarily premature. Yeah. And the the one thing that always stood out throughout the whole thing is that the guys always responded when they were challenged by him. They yeah. always responded when he was cha- when they challenged um, when he challenged them. And so the, the breaking of habits, as he mentioned, like Jason Tatum is starting to really figure things out now. And it's taken a while for him to start to make those reads. And Jalen is, is starting to get there too, to I think a lesser degree. But even that, it has, has a lot more to go. Like I, I'm certainly not sitting here talking about like this is the finished product because there's still Dennis Schroeder on this team. There's still Bull Bull and PJ Dozier and who knows what they're going to figure out with you know with Romeo and Neesmith and, and all of the, like there there are still lots of questions. This is not a finished product by any stretch. But what we have seen is the progress. Even if it is bad teams, like you said before, they're blowing out the bad teams. They're not struggling against the bad teams. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily collapsing minus the garbage time Detroit minutes. 
Um, there's, there's better pace to the games. Marcus Smart at the, as the point guard is working. Jason Tatum, you know, distributing is working. All of these things, the defense with, with this lineup is, is working. Um, now, my biggest fear at this point is kind of like when you go to the batting cages and you kind of warm up in the 60-mile-an-hour cage and then you get into the 90-mile-an-hour cage and you're like, what the? flies <laughs> right by you like they're gonna play a good team and it might not be brooklyn it might be denver or atlanta denver. they're gonna play a team that suddenly plays at a, a real different speed and it's gonna be like 12 nothing run to start the game and you're like whoa wait a minute <laughs> we're gonna need to like dial it back um i think that might be in their future but uh if as long as they can kind of like recalibrate after that i think they'll be fine hopefully what no matter whether they win or lose down the road, like I still don't expect a whole month, a whole ton from this season. What I hope is gone is the you know the what we saw against Atlanta the first time around. I hope those those tend to go away or or happen much less frequency. The seven minutes without scoring, the you know the 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 collapses, the extended isolation, you know all of that stuff. Like I hope th those, the worst of the worst is starting to go away. And though, and then, you know, we know that sometimes they're going to come back because it happens to every team, but I hope the worst part of it is done. And I think a lot of that is just health, right? Like the fact, I, I think, cause the big thing is that Marcus smart and Rob Williams are, are healthy because like Tatum and Jalen, like they're, they're both awesome players. And yeah, they both sometimes do get bogged down in isolation. Then sometimes it's just a matter of like, hey, who else is going to take these shots? How else are we going to generate these shots? Because half the team is missing. Having Marcus Smart and having him distributing everything, having him just like take on those those greater distributing roles. And I mean, you know, this this isn't meant to be a shot at Dennis Schroeder, but just kind of like almost cutting down on his role so so that Smart can be that distributor. That matters quite a bit too. And I think. All of these things are working together in a really good way. And again, not like, you know, to bring this back, you want it more time. People were too quick on Ime Udoka. Like the fact that he's, you know, he's putting all this stuff together, I think, in ways that are um, really going to be beneficial for this team and, and are are starting to show what this team's like best looks are. He's I, I'm, I'm really impressed with how he's um, kind of hammering. He's really hammering those looks and he's just like. You know, he's cut down the rotation, right? He's just like, okay, screw it. I'm, I'm done with this crap. I'm done with trying to, like, thread these needles. Here are my good players. I'm going to play my good players, put them in good positions, and it's working. So, yeah. All right, let's get into some of the trade rumors. We'll come back in and do that because that's what everybody wants to talk about heading into the trade deadline. First, Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as the Super Bowl is right around the corner, or I'm supposed to say the big game. They did not say that. I said Super Bowl. They say big game. Bet Online remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just football. Bet Online has up to the minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real time, real time updates of current games. Do not wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet Online, where the game starts. Please gamble responsibly. Also, today's show is brought to you by my good friends over at crack sauce c-r-a-i-c sauce.com they're made in lowell these guys are great they use like 10 to 20 different ingredients in their hot sauces so it's not just peppers vinegars and just blow your face off hot sauce it's good it's it's got plenty of heat to it for sure but 
locally made local ingredients it's a boston celtics season ticket holder who runs this company owns this company so uh and they've got some great things if you sign up for their newsletter you they're doing like in person like they'll teach you how to make your own hot sauce like they got some great stuff going on but what you really want is their crack sauce products c-r-a-i-c sauce.com for 10 percent off uh use the promo code locked on you get uh, a few different flavors golden pumpkin which is, is might be my favorite it's hard to choose the 40 shades of green chili brian burroughs curry and then the mill city red is their louisiana style like red hot sauce that's the stuff that you you they, they do have one of those as well but it's versatile multi-dimensional stuff uh flavorful flavorful ingredients for your cooking so that's that's really it's not just something you put on top it can be something you use in your cooking all, um, they're all gluten-free it's great stuff crack sauce c-r-a-i-c cracksauce.com use the promo code locked on for 10 percent off all right it's rumor season trade deadline is a couple days away uh lots of like little rumors here for uh you know basically everything's dennis schroeder we're trying to figure out a place for dennis schroeder chicago uh milwaukee there are talks there are no talks anymore a lot of teams tom want marcus smart um you like me, you just expect Schroeder to be moved to an extent. I, I think it's like, it kind of depends like who ends up kind of um, get, putting their, like putting their name in the ring. Like the, the Chicago rumors, like the, the proposed packages just did nothing for me. Like, you know, they're like, you know, we're talking about like a, uh, what was it? Uh, Troy Brown was like one of the guys that was mentioned. It was just like, like what that doesn't, like, yeah. You got you're already trying to buy minutes for for wings who aren't getting a ton of playing time anyway. Like that one didn't really do much for me. I mean, if you can find like a really good shooter somewhere, or not a really good shooter, because obviously that would cost probably more than Dennis Schroeder. But um, you know, I just I I expect him to be moved because it makes sense to move him. Like it makes sense to try to find something. But if you're not going to get back somebody who is actually going to be in your rotation, I do question why you would trade him, right? Like it, it like. If the person isn't going to crack your playoff rotation, Schroeder would. Like Schroeder would yeah, play in the playoff. It. So it makes sense to trade him. At the same time, like if you're not getting back anything good, I don't know that I would. So I, I certainly understand like some cooling on the Schroeder trade because Ime has stopped using him. In like, there's some overlap with him and Smart, which drives me nuts. But now Schroeder's been minimized to a point where it's like, okay, like it's. It's very much more acceptable, but he's also not been great off the bench. He had a couple of good performances, but he hasn't been great. Uh, my my feeling on Schroeder is, is it's like the the story of the guy who started trading a paperclip and started like trading up and, and eventually like got to a house. Like I, you you trade like Schroeder, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but he's the paperclip, and but I mean that because he was cheap, and you're you're not going to get much for him. You know, so you trade him for the two second rounders, which was always my expectations from day one. You trade him for that. You, then you use those two second rounders to help facilitate a trade. And like those flip into something bigger. And then that flips into something bigger. Like that to me is the progression of a Schroeder trade. It opens up time for Peyton Pritchard. And maybe along the way, you can get a little bit extra kind of another guard somewhere that, okay, he, in case. Pritchard isn't working out for some reason. You get somebody else you can go to. Um, I I think it just it just makes total sense. It, and I'll just I'll just stick to that stance because 
it, it just to me, Schroeder, like, okay, you can keep him, and then what does that what does that get you? Um, other than you know, maybe they like him in the locker room and, and they don't want to see him go, but he's gonna he's gonna be gone anyway. Um yeah, he is gonna be gone anyway. I think the case for keeping him aside from just like you're not getting much is is just like do you like how much of that message of like okay like we're we're sort like trading Dennis Schroeder is not punting on this season right like that's not what I'm saying but all right but how, much that, how much of that message of like we're trading a rotation player for two second round picks like does that is that what you want to say to your stars is that what you want to say after like winning seven out of eight like all right I get it but yeah. but I will say okay to me no not Schroeder but your point if you apply it to Josh Richardson. Totally. Better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. like two, three weeks ago, I was like, yeah, you know, you, you flip Josh Richardson. You yeah. Totally on board with that. Yeah. Now I can see the value of keeping Josh for the rest of the year because he's, he's, he's kind of filled a real important niche. Yep. And, and I think the Celtics, you don't, to your point, the exact same thing. You don't want to send Tatum and Brown a message like, Okay, like assuming that the conversation kind of goes something like, "Look, you guys know we 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 have to undo some of the things that that were done before. We're still trying to win, but this is going to be like this isn't your championship year unless something right. goes right. Like we're still going to give you a team that if things go right and some things go wrong for the other team, you have a chance. Like you guys can carry this team. If you take Josh out of there and it's for parts, then then I think Tatum and Brown be like, "Hey, come on." Come yeah. on, like what? What was this all for? Schroeder, I think they they maybe more understand because of the scenario. Like you can slide somebody into that, you can slide Pritchard into that backup role, and you can probably get a lot of what Schroeder gave you. Similar defensive deficiencies. He's going to hit some threes. He's going to get to the rim a couple of times. Not the not to the same degree, but it's going to be similar enough where you're like, okay, this is fine. This is fine. Josh is unique. Two you like that. That's not something. Off season, all bets are off. Right now, like you kind of need Josh. If if you're gonna trade Schroeder, you kind of need him as like a pseudo third string point guard. Um, yeah. Also, not for nothing to your point about uh, to your point about getting Pritchard more minutes. You probably could play Pritchard and Smart together just fine because Pritchard actually is like a floor spacer. Like that would you know you can. You can stick him in any corner you want. Like it's fine. So and his motivation isn't like I hate to say it, but you know. Schroeder's motivations are still like he is considering his contract and his next team. Like he does still think about that. I'm sorry. As he should, of course he should. He's, he's only going to be on this team. He's only going to be on this team for one year. He a hundred percent. That should be his primary. Well, motivation. I'm not even, I'm not even like saying that in a, like yeah, I'm yeah. him kind of way. Like, but the, yeah, that's yeah. what it is like, dude, yeah. this, is, this is your job. You're trying to get like, I get yeah. it. I get that part of it. Yeah. Um, but Pritchard being out there, like, yeah, he's, he is not his usage is not going to be anywhere close to what yeah. Schroeder's is, and he's going to move the ball and he's going to try to do the right thing. So, yeah. I think I think that there's a minimal drop off. It's not as big a drop off as people might some people might think. Um, but uh, the, the the big rumors I, that I've seen like recently is that Marcus Smart is being targeted by Minnesota, Atlanta, Dallas. Um, this is the annual, uh, you know, Marcus smart is, you know, valuable to other teams kind of, uh, scenario. I, I don't see, and you tell me if you disagree or, or what, but I don't see Minnesota. 
I don't see Atlanta or Dallas. Like, what's Dallas going to offer? Like, I don't think they're going to give Jalen Brunson, and, and Jalen Brunson's like still making like two million dollars, so that, that's going to be hard. Yep. Um, the Hawks make some level of sense if you're going to say at least if you're giving up Bogdan Bogdanovich, and you're like, okay, at least that shoot that level of shooting is interesting. But the what what smart means to the Celtics? I don't see anything here. That that moves the needle for me, and 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 my take on all of this Marcus Smart stuff is basically every team is saying like, oh man, I'd love a Marcus Smart on my team, and the Celtics say, sure, if you want to get a Marcus, we have a Marcus Smart, you can you can get him, but it's going to cost you a lot of money. It's going to cost you a lot, and teams yeah. are like, ooh, too rich. Like the Celtics are open to it, but he means so much that it's it's the value to what to the Celtics means that you're going to have to give up a whole lot more than you can justify to your team uh, when you say, uh, like, oh, we gave up all this for Marcus Smart. Also, it's it's become more complicated as Smart has taken on a greater distributing role because, yeah. the, like, is Schroeder your starting point guard then? Like, if you trade Smart because – or, like, are you getting back a point guard? Because, like, you know, I mean, that's that's the Brunson argument. But like you said, like, that that's already a complicated conversation – you know, Minnesota, like I, the, you know, the packages that we were seeing were like, you know, Beasley, like McDaniels, like the, the, these are not point cards. Like this, like this Celtics team is thriving in part because they have a guy who is pretty exclusively focused on distributing. That's why smart has been so good recently. That's why the Celtics have been so good with him in the lineup recently. They, they need that. So, I mean, yeah, Bogdanovich. Sure. Like, I mean, he's, you know, a perfectly acceptable player. He fills a need for the Celtics, but I mean, it would also create a pretty major need that we've seen the Celtic, like Smart's role with the Celtics has benefited them so much recently that I'm not sure how much losing him, but, you know, gaining the shooting. I, I don't, I don't think that balances out at this stage. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. And I think that what the key here is, is Smart, Smart still hasn't, you know, found his, his normal shooting level which is still not a whole lot higher than what it is right now. Uh, but still, um, he's still below his his normal percentages. But while he's trying to figure that out, he's shooting less than 10 times per game in this stretch. Like he the other night he shot three times. Like yeah. that's that's important. And and it, I think the the shifting of roles throughout smarts, like smarts versatility is is the strength but this falls under the greatest strength is your greatest weakness argument which is one that i love to make that because smart can guard anybody and because smart is a good passer and he can do other things you you want him on the floor so you say okay fine it's you and kemba and so, like we need you on the floor so you can guard whatever you guard and bead for five minutes like you, just go do that and, and it's like yeah sure no problem I think that the more you put him in a different spot, like the, the his mentality kind of shifts into whatever position he's he's playing. He's not going to just be a distributor when you're putting him at the three. He's gonna he's gonna shoot because that you you tend to find yourself when all those other guys are on the floor in spots where you can shoot, and and especially he's the guy that they help off of when he's initiating. The ball's moving, and he it, like he barely touches it afterwards. But he starts things, and like this is all super, super important to, to maximize Smart's 
um, potential and his 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 meaning, his impact on this team. So I think like we're we're finally seeing like the groove work here for Smart. Yeah, and and to your point about you know him not taking that many shots, the two like he's he's taken eleven shots and nine shots since he came back, and in those two games he was six for nine and seven for eleven. So like he's smart shots. Like he's this. I mean, this has been. This has been a very, very good stretch for Marcus Smart, and I think it, it all starts with you know them just finally making him the point guard. He's he's wanted to be the point guard on this team for like his entire career. Like I, I even when they had Kyrie, I remember I sat down with him one time, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm a little, you know, I was I was always a little insulted that they wouldn't just make me the starting point guard." And it was yeah. like I was like, "Wow, I can't believe can't believe you just said that." But like, hey, you you watch him right now, and it's like, yeah, I kind of see your point, man. Like yeah. that's your natural position. I am. I haven't taken my full, a fully obnoxious Marcus Smart point guard victory lap, but I'm uh, I'm getting close to it because yeah. I have been screaming since the preseason that Marcus Smart can be the point guard, and I've had people say horrible things in the comments, horrible things that people insulting me, my intelligence for even merely suggest it. And now that it's happening, I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm, I'm just, it's like, I know the hook is in the fish. I'm just going to let it swim right <laughs> before I set it. Um, Jeremy yeah, Wade over here. Yeah, I'm, 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 that's right. Hey, I'm a Rhode Islander. I'm a Greek <laughs> and I'm a Rhode Islander. I got all the fishing references for you. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I really am excited. And, and like smart being able to be the point guard and this we can save this for another podcast down the road, but that changes what the Celtics need to do in the offseason. It changes, you know, and, and certainly he could be moved. I'm not saying he's untradeable, but if you sit there and you say, okay, we've got this guy locked up, he can be the point guard. Like that's proven. And now you've got one through three kind of set, and Rob is your five, he's kind of set. Like now you can hone in on some some of your targets and you can kind of say, okay, we we can go this route. We don't have to like fill this and try to get like, I think, I think you're starting to see the, the kind of like the blueprint here for the Celtics. And then from there, it's Tatum raising himself to an MVP level, Jalen raising himself to an all NBA level, and then finding enough guys in the right places to, to support that. And, and now you have yourself a contender. Like you're, you're, it's really not that far off. Right. Yeah. And I think to your point, like you say they have one through three, they have their one through three in terms of position. They also have like, currently they, they might have their one through three in terms of like their best players, right? Like your, your right. Tatum, Jalen, and Rob, because like Rob has gotten to that point where he's, he's that guy, like he's really good and he's perfect yeah. for Jalen and Jason, this like low usage, you know, like shot blocking, you know, spectacular, like brings energy with his, you know, with his, with his vertical, like it's, I mean, they, this, this off season is going to be really interesting because like Rob has put himself, I think in a position where, you know, if you, yeah, like if, if there's a super, you know, if there's like a star out there that you want to trade for, you've got some pieces, but like, you, do you want to give those pieces up? Like these guys are pretty good. Like there's, they're working with something that I think, you know, if you a couple like a few weeks ago, a couple months ago, whatever it is, if you said, you know, oh, this Celtics team is really working on something because they have Tatum, Jalen, you know, Rob and Smart, you would have gotten laughed at. But I think over the last like few weeks, you've started to really see like, 
Okay. I, I see the vision and there's, there's something really interesting here. I think, you know, to, to put it on trades for a second, like to bring it back to trades for a second, I think if you want to talk about a rumor that like, I, I don't know, I don't know if it's going to like happen or not. And I, I don't know if it's a good idea or not, but the guy who you could maybe look at moving on from is, is Grant Williams. Mm-hmm. I think just because like, at least there you've got some value, right? Like uh, in terms of like the deadline, at least there you've got like a young guy, you know, who's, who's really come on a lot this year. Um, you know, there's going to be teams who are interested. You're taking a pretty major risk by mm-hmm. like, if you trade him, cause yeah, you're trading like a really young player who's done like improved a lot, but like, if you're focused, like if, if you're really trying to bring back some real value, I think that's, you know, maybe the, maybe the place that you look and his name has been floated in a couple of rumors. So we'll see. You know, that wouldn't shock me. I, I said, I think I said in his rookie year, I said, Grant Williams strikes me as the guy who's going to have a 15 year career for like eight different teams. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to be the guy that when you have him, you're going to love him. He's going to do a lot for you, but he's never going to be a deal breaker in a trade and other teams are going to want him. And so like, I can see like Grant is just good enough to be wanted and not good enough to be, you know, like, Oh, uh, like a, a sticking point in, in these. So yeah, I can, I can, I can definitely see that. Um, I, I think that Grant Williams is going to make a lot of money in two year, $28 million increments. Yeah. Like, yeah, totally. I can totally see that. That can be a, a very, you know, Hey, like you get to see the country, I guess. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the, I would have killed for that NBA career. Oh my God. Of course. <laughs> uh, my final point on this is I'll, I'll go to the other teams. One team that the Celtics are playing and one team that's on TV right now uh, beating the Chicago Bulls 108-91 as we speak. The Phoenix Suns uh, and the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets are the super team and they were following that blueprint. And the Phoenix Suns are not a super team. Mm. And I'm not going to overreact to the, you know, this is how you like, I know it's copycat and all that stuff. All I'm saying is, the Phoenix Suns are showing that it doesn't have to be the three superstar dynamic to, to be a contender. What they have shown is if you play together and you've got that one guy that ties it all together, and but it's, it's all about the full team effort, you respect the coach, and the pieces fit the right way, you got the right – like all of those stuff, has you know, the, the mix still has to be right, and it has to be a little bit more precise. You definitely have more wiggle room – when you got three stars and one of them goes down, you can ride the other two. But Phoenix has shown, like, you know what? If you get the right pieces, and the Celtics already have two, two like really great pieces there, you you can be a contender. You can do this the right way. You, you just gotta play the right way. And I think that that message, you know, with Ime and his connection to these guys, and the fact that they do respond to him. And the fact that Tatum is growing his game, that Jalen is growing his game, and that Smart is growing into his role, like in Rod, like all of these things, you start to look at it and be like, you know what? The Celtics don't go full Phoenix, but on that on that meter, maybe they skew more Phoenix-ish in their team building than they do some of the other, like the Brooklyn-ish. If you go, you know, if that's th- those are the two extre- extremes, maybe the Celtics tilt like a little bit towards the Phoenix side. I think that's a great comp. I actually think that's like a really, really good comp because I think the the other thing that you can look at is you can look at this, the Suns. They, they they drafted Mikal Bridges. They drafted DeAndre Ayton. Like they brought in these guys, and yeah, DeAndre Ayton was not the best player in that draft. But you know what? He plays really well for them. Like he he fills a role for them. Like yeah, Rob Williams. Like he is 
like, you know, he's, he's a guy that they brought in. You look at him as kind of, you know, you're, or the, he's a guy that they drafted. You know, you look at, um, you know, smart, a guy that they drafted, like role players that they brought in themselves and that they developed themselves. I think that's, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense because you also look at Brooklyn, right? One of the reasons that they were able to build a super team is because they're in New York. And I think one of the things that we're learning about Boston is that like players who come here, you know, respect it and they, you know, they respect like, you know, the legacies and all that, but this like, it's not necessarily a destination for the, the you know, the, the, the top level, like free agent guys. I think you do have to have something that is a little bit more homegrown because if you have something that's homegrown, I think a lot of the players do kind of appreciate Boston. They appreciate getting to play in front of, you know, like, like intense, you know, intense fans and they appreciate, you know, all, all of these things about Boston that, you know, maybe you don't necessarily, if you're, you know, just coming in for a couple of years. So I think, I think that's a great comp, honestly. I think that should kind of be the Celtics mold if they're trying to, you know, build a contender is, yeah, try, try, you know, have a couple of stars, have some, have some real talent, but then also have these guys that you've developed that you've, um, and that you have brought in to complement the stars that you have, like, as opposed to just mashing together James Harden, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, that could work because those guys are all awesome. Um, you know, won't necessarily work, but it could work because those guys are all awesome. But th there's another way to do it. I think that's a, a really good point, and also, um, and also good for the NBA because I think you know, having both of those avenues to have good teams and to have entertaining teams is, is really important for the league. Yeah, no, that's a good point too. Um, and you know what? It keeps it, it keeps the, the competitive balance. That's one star that maybe yeah. stays on his team and just keeps the the parody there. Yeah. Like you, you look at the Phoenix and you're like Deandre. And you know what? Nobody's talking about in Phoenix, Luka Doncic. No one's talking about yeah, they are in Sacramento, but they're yeah. not doing it in, in Phoenix. And they're not even doing it in, in Atlanta anymore. Like they're like, I feel like they're still arguing. Maybe, about a, little it. Bit, maybe a little <laughs> bit, maybe a little bit, but it's not happening. Like you, you don't watch a son's game and hear Doncic's name. Yeah. Really. Um, Other than, uh, you know, maybe the occasion of like, yeah, but people making the point I just made. But so, yeah, like that's, that's, if they do follow that road, the other side of that is, is also, you don't have to give up as much to get the guys that you're looking for, which means yeah. the Celtics can maybe hold on to an Aaron Neesmith or Romeo Langford. Maybe you don't have to give up both those. You don't have to, maybe you, you don't have to give up a Robert Williams in that, in a major package for a Carl Anthony Towns or anything like that. Like, sure. Carl Anthony Towns would be great, but like you keep the chemistry that's being built yeah. And these, you know what you have. And so that that's more my hope. And I was always hoping that that's how the, the, the thing would turn out. I think really, if you're watching anything for the next 27 games that they play, is that can can that now, can that be how it goes? Can, like, I'm seeing how the, the potential for that, can they solidify that and give Brad Stevens that level of guidance, which means this trade deadline is just mostly Schroeder goes out for picks or, you know, you, you clear up some space and, and maybe you play the third team role and you use your exception and you, a guy that fits into under the tax that, that could be a shooter or something like, like you can maybe get a little complimentary piece that way, but you're not really, you know, you just do like little things here and then you go into the off season and just kind of play that. No, uh, Bradley Beal, no craziness there. You just kind of like build your team and move forward that way. So. Here's my, my, my final take, and I'm 35% serious about this take, is that maybe the Celtics are already at that Phoenix level if they had figured out a way to keep Terry Rozier and just make him a <laughs> You want to talk about chemistry? Those guys love Terry Rozier.
Oh, I want to have, uh, and I'll save this. Maybe we'll do an off-season podcast because I am not on the same page with you as Terry Rozier, and I know you love Terry Rozier, and yes, love I do Terry love Terry Rozier. Rozier. I, I, I don't think that that was going to go the way you thought it was going to go, but it's going to make for an interesting kind of like off-season debate somewhere along the line, maybe in the All-Star break or something. We'll, 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 we'll talk about it because I'm with it. That's a phone. Yeah. All right. It's uh, Tom Westerholm, Tom, uh, Tom underscore NBA. Read him at Boston.com. Tom, thank you very much. Thank you all very much for watching the show on a Monday through Friday basis, making the show your first listen every day. I uh, would love to get you onto the YouTube show because uh, really trying to grow that. Uh, if you are not a subscriber, please subscribe. If you are a subscriber, I would love it if you shared the podcast and told your friends, told your family, tell everybody they should be listening to and watching the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network.